0: This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart and I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on and unscripted. This episode profiles Matt Linus. Matt makes precision detailed drawings and paintings that burst with allegorical narratives and technical control. His work often depicts a cast of invented characters, creatures, and landscapes that have been informed by his research into different types of indigenous and folk art. Are the works focus on head and shoulder portraits of his characters or the image of a tiger as a vehicle for experimenting with pattern and symbolism? A through line in all of Matt's work is his dedicated sense of draftsmanship and a personal set of criteria or rules on how to generate and make a drawing. The work is amazingly consistent and full of aesthetic intrigue. Here we are at his studio in the Greenpoint section of Brooklyn. A little bit about how you start these things. So I thought, why don't we start there? Um, and you showed me a pretty elaborate pencil drawing right? Uh, that looked from where I sit, like a finished drawing, like a presentable drawing. It was not rough it was it was pretty clean i i think i mentioned is this a printout it looked like a printout it was so sort of measured and exact i mean your work is specific and we'll talk about the content of your work and i'll try and describe it for listeners but so you start with a with a pencil drawing first right
1: everything starts with a sketch um i kind of feel like that's something i'm working on now Uh is being less dependent on the process of doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Here it is. This is the drawing you showed me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then the finish of that is hanging on the wall, right? And,
0: and these, and this is this is a sketch for the works you are doing that are colored pencil in the end, right? Is that color That's the color, the yeah. pigment in there. These kind okay. of
1: over it at this point. You are over it, moving on to something else. Well, again. I'll ask you about that in a little bit. Okay. So,
0: you, so you make these drawings, then you transfer them via light box, right? Correct, onto uh, a different piece of paper and what's the difference between this what i would say is a realized sketch versus the the transfer, transferred sketch onto the different sheet of paper why not just use this is there a reason for that um
1: especially and this is
0: just clear, clear a pure technical question
1: especially with colored pencil mm-hmm. like that has so many like erasures and like figuring uh, out okay that, so it'd like, all muddy or something and just you know how yeah. like the You see those like white ghost lines where like the colored pencil doesn't fill in Mm -hmm, all the way mm -hmm. um i know last time we talked about rules and how i just have always been like yeah making these rules that i need to follow yeah i want to get to those rules that i'm also trying to break so with this process it's it's basically so that the quote-unquote finished piece is like as clean as possible
0: so it's a technical decision yeah okay i mean in terms of the materials you're using work a certain way um and you need the surface and the line prepared a certain way in order to uh, to use the colored pencil okay but it's pain in the ass and i'm trying to shake it it's a bad habit yeah so and then the other way that you work you make drawings you also make works on paper that are a bit more elaborate than just a drawing you make paintings too and some dimensional objects that uh, might act as sculpture but when you're working with paint, is it a similar process? Do you do you somehow transfer a pretty realized sketch onto the panel or the? It's mostly panel that you paint on, it or paper. Yeah, um, um, is it the same thing? You transfer it.
1: Um, yeah. It'll, again, it'll start with a. With painting, sometimes it's less so where I don't have the entire thing figured out, mm-hmm. and that's another thing I'm like working on is. Just being able to jump into something without knowing everything. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll uh, figure out the sketch, maybe enlarge it or whatever mm-hmm. to, like, fit the the, the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think about it in layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, like, fill in a part. And then retrace in using like a, like, you know, like two sided tracing paper, uh-huh.
0: carbon paper, uh, no, not no, even no. that, oh, like okay.
1: just draw it on one side and trace it on the other side okay, so that so. The, the line goes sure, through. sure
0: So you get like a loose map of what your drawing was on the panel. Right. Okay.
1: And then fill that in with color and then, and what's the color?
0: Is it acrylic? acrylic yeah. Okay. Always acrylic. Yeah. if It's a painting. It looks like gouache though. You're getting some really flat, opaque zones of, of color that's all acrylic yeah do you this is something that i wrestle with is like i've become brand dependent like i know like a certain brand of acrylic or a certain brand of oil paint will behave a certain way right for the way i mean your work is so specific and it's arguably like very controlled and and again i want to talk about those issues with your work but are you, are you dependent on a certain type of paint to achieve this? Like if, if the art supply store is out of brand X paint, are you at a loss? Like, uh, do you have to find, go to another shop?
1: Um,
0: that's a ridiculous question. I'll say, (laughs) I think
1: I, if in a perfect world, everything would be golden matte acrylic, Okay. but that's like the hardest paint to find in a store. Like you may be able to find like a very basic, Hmm. I feel like black and white you can get sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, pearl used to carry them and now that's not an option Yeah, Pearl shut down so uh i've given up on that mm-hmm. and now it's whatever is available right there's that um amsterdam company that makes like pretty cheap paint and they have uh mm-hmm. i feel like they you know you don't get i'm bad with colors like i don't think of things in terms of like a you know like a cerulean blue right. mixed with whatever like right, to me right, it's right. just like a like, a, like, I think of it as, like, Crayola names. Yeah. So, I,
0: I guess I ask because it, it the way you're putting down paint, um, it just seems uh, uh, learned in such a way that it, it doesn't seem like you could just use any sort of paint to achieve the effect that you're doing. And I guess that's where my question is coming from. How are you getting this effect? Um,
1: I feel like the paintings are so much more forgiving than the drawings. Hmm. Um, I... And everything's kind of been a constant struggle to get materials to work the way I expect them to. Right. Um, And I don't think I've always used the materials that are best suited for things. Um, For a long time, I was using like ink and watercolor. Yeah. And with that, it was very... Like, I would go to the store and, like, buy one of every red to see which one was the best. Right. And spend a lot of time, like... are you mix? Do you mix color, or do you just
0: use it straight out of the tube, usually?
1: Um, with these most recent paintings, which aren't even that recent anymore, like, mm-hmm. it was mixed. Okay. Um, early on, I would just... Uh, I mean, when I first started painting, I was using, like, those, like, little craft store paints. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's, like, you know, like... Dolphin gray yeah. or like flesh, whatever <laughs> yeah. that means. Yeah. Like that was easy. Yeah. Um. But then I started, you know, like as time went on, I was like, "How archival is this?" And started worrying right. about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. I'm basically, I, I think that's with, as far as the rules go. Like mm-hmm. I can get so bogged down in just being. This is the way it is, right? Uh. And I'm really trying to break from that right so as far as like the sketches go um a year ago i would need to have a per like i use the word perfect a lot but mm-hmm. it's it's all relative yeah um i just became really dependent on like measuring and like making sure the lines are like as straight as can be right
0: the distance between lines or, or yeah is like the right amount for you right and how you want it to be yeah. and
1: i'm trying to just throw that all out the window. Yeah. Um, my line is so consistent that it's, that's the glue that holds everything together. Like yeah. the, the spacing and all that, like that's, yeah. no one's gonna notice that as much as I will. So who cares at this point? Like, it's just been freeing to not think about things right. that way.
0: Right. And then I think the last layer, as, as we sort of continue to talk about how you make these, is once you get the color down, you go back over them with pens. Sometimes, am I wrong in that for these these very elaborate patterns that you do? Um, well, I right? know sometimes there's a brush involved as well.
1: It depends on the surface. Yeah, if it's that's the big difference between a painting to me and a drawing. Mm-hmm. Is when it's a drawing, the all the line work is done first, and that's a lot more free because I'm I'm not worried about like following you know like trapping the color in a shape yeah um it's just more natural to just draw it Mm -hmm. um and then in that case then i'll color it afterwards um if it's a painting though it's basing it off that sketch to get all the color in the places they're supposed to be and then doing all the line work on top of it right and if it's acrylic that's with a brush right
0: right right and these are resolved when you when you decide they're complete do you see that before it happens or is it you know like once you fill in that last corner with the pattern you know it's done or is there is there sometimes uh an element of oh i thought i was done but i have another two weeks on this piece is it predictable for you at this point i ask because time and the the amount of labor that goes into these is extraordinary and i want to talk a bit about that down the conversation but can you can you foresee the end coming with these
1: when it's based on a sketch where it's like the decisions have been made beforehand mm-hmm. like then it's yeah, like okay, get to the point where the everything right. i mean it used to be uh I'd say for like the bulk of like the i don't know the. There used to be a point where it's the, the, the drawing wasn't done until literally every inch of the paper was filled with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, somewhere along the line, I stopped thinking about things right. that way. So, I can
0: imagine you having like a snapshot of what this is going to look like before you even start it, and then it's just a, a matter of matching up that what what you're working on with a snapshot in your head. Is it a little bit like
1: that? That's the constant struggle. Okay. Is
0: there's an idea
1: in my head? How do I make it? How Looks do I like replicate that. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, like lately I've been less concerned with that. Like, especially like the one thing that happened by, like, it wasn't an intention of using a light table, but like, mm. I'm just dealing with transparency. Yeah. So um, you can fool around with stuff and like put things on top of each other, see how they look. Mm-hmm. And then you get an idea that you weren't expecting. Right. So I'm a little bit of surprise in there now. And that's now what I'm after, like letting yeah. it, things are happening that i'm not picturing yeah
0: it sounds like you're seeding control a little bit yeah there's just been way too much control yeah (laughs) um and if we shift gears and talk about what you're making pictures about um if i can go back to some of the earlier works there was usually an interaction between two figures or two characters um uh, there was often a tiger or an animal involved. Uh, there was usually some sort of man-made machine or robot structure or piece of architecture. Um, you were always creating these elaborate scenes where maybe there was a battle going on or a group of people were, were being colonized by uh, a group that I'll call the colonizers. And then eventually the colonizers are being colonized by the people that they are in you know, it's like this weird back and forth between these groups. Right. Um, uh, and then I feel like in the past handful of years, you've, well, you've always done portraits, but you have all these portraits up on your on your wall now where um, the face has been abstracted, where there's not an eyes and nose. There's more of this graphic pattern. Like this, this looks like some sort of, Uh, piece of a maze or um, something that would be uh, on like a, like a, uh, uh, some uh, type of fashion wear or something like that. Or like a uh, circuit board or something. Yeah, circuit board. And, and the guy all the way to the left looks, that looks like, um, you know, modern design or something that I would see in the, in like the, from like the fifties in France or something like that, contemporary design. So there's, there's like a little bit of shift, like these the human elements are sort of being removed a little bit and things are being put in their place. Um, and then the most recent stuff, which I wanna talk about as well, is you're like paring down even more. It's like black and white. It's kind of simplifying. Um, the tiger is another uh, creature that has, I, I think, uh, comes, uh, as a motif comes up in your work quite a bit. I guess my question, am I describing it accurately? Am I missing anything? would you strike anything from that list? Am I overemphasizing anything?
1: I think that's pretty spot on. Um, I think to, I think the thing I'm trying to do now is just add more variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but i like that there's leeway for, uh, I think depending on who's describing it, mm-hmm. like certain things will be more important to them. Right. And that's another thing that like I'm all for. Right. Um, like the conflicts or just the whatever the interactions are in the pictures, Mm -hmm. like they're purposely ambiguous Mm -hmm. so that you can have one reading of it. I can have another like intention, but like that doesn't necessarily. Yeah. We bring our own experiences to these things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm curious, like if you, can you cite where this stuff comes from? I mean, you've created sort of a, a world of your own. And the people that know your work and have been following your work can, can, you know, when they see it, they know that it's a Matt Linus piece. Um, I'm curious if you can find an origin point or like a genesis point for where this stuff comes from. Like
1: in the very, very beginning?
0: However you want to frame it for yourself. Like where, where what's, the, what's in the DNA of this? I mean, there's a spirit of like Jim Nutt or Carl Worsham for me in your work. I don't, I don't know if you agree or disagree with those, but like there's a spirit, your work doesn't look like theirs, but there's a similar spirit in terms of creating these unique faces and also way of using the materials. Right. Um, I'm just curious where, how you arrived at this way of working.
1: Um, I feel like in the very beginning, the, I, the first thing that came, like you, we talked about the tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, I took a book out of the library of like Mexican like folk art masks, and that's where the tiger initially came from. It
0: just stuck with you. Really latched onto it as an image, and you're like, yeah. that is amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna play with that."
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's like well before it, like you'd be able to recognize my work right. the way it is. Like that was ages ago right, right right um but it's i feel like built upon that um and then you, you mentioned like jim nutt and carl Worsham mm-hmm. and as i started showing work people would say oh have you checked this out right and that i remember the first show i ever had uh people were like someone was like oh do you know like ethiopian art right and it's like know mm-hmm. but then i start to look at that stuff mm-hmm. and
0: then it's... yeah you showed me last time i was over here a, a book of peruvian textiles right so yeah there's like um almost like a folk art there's like, there's obviously a huge folk art tradition from around the world but mm-hmm. there is like that element in your work as well would you say that's fair like
1: amongst other things yeah um definitely like mm-hmm. i'm just indigenous art from everywhere mm-hmm. i'm into um when you ask like do you know the like genesis like if you if you point it to a specific thing in a piece like it's very likely that i could show you exactly where i saw that from mm-hmm. um but then you might not you might not be able to recognize that that's where like why right because it's gets changed right right you And for a while i was very I wouldn't want to make any like as because I was trying to make it like this own imaginary world. I was trying to purposely distance obvious influences, mm-hmm. um, and even that's something that like as of late I'm not so concerned about. It's 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 some things I'm purposely like just copying for right. because it's like this is an icon that exists. Right. There's no reason like I want it to be that.
0: Yeah, you want to honor it. Right. Yeah. The other thing about the t- you know go back going back to the tiger is it sort of invites you to play with pattern right with yeah the, with the stripes and and the tiger markings and um, I've seen you handle that a hundred different ways um, so like it makes sense to me that that um, a creature with that sort of texture on it or that sort of patterning would would pop up in your work or be like or be just fun to
1: draw and I wonder if that's part of it is Mm -hmm. it's um i I don't think that dawned on me when i first drew a tiger like that it's basically an animal full of pattern yeah yeah but that definitely has lent itself to a lot of the decisions i've ended up making
0: well there's also an attitude with a tiger it's kind of aggressive it's a predator i i I guess i'm like thinking of other animals with patterns like zebras aren't showing up in your work it's it's a tiger there's something that's um the power of the tiger I feel like is is, is important as well. Yeah. Um, have I ever told you the story of, about my grandfather in one of your shirts? I was wearing, I think it was one of your first t-shirts that you had produced, I think via Ruka, mm-hmm. and I think you gifted it to me and I was wearing it. And my grandfather, who's no longer alive, was a pilot in World War II. And he flew this this group of pilots called the Flying Tigers. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah um and he and he was like oh where'd you get that shirt uh, look at that tiger it reminds me of some of the tiger imagery that was like on our patches and he's like and i was like oh it's this guy matt that i know he he made the shirt he's like oh we should have had him back in the war he could have painted that on the plane <laughs> it that's was pretty amazing. amazing yeah um anyways that's i mean it. that's part
1: like i i'm definitely like like army patches of tigers like that's where some
0: of them yeah. come from at this point yeah for sure um I want to I want to put art down for a second. Let's do it. And I want to I want to talk about wrestling with you cuz I know you're you're a fan of dramatic, can I call it dramatic wrestling? Yeah. When did that start? Have you been into that since you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Um like WWF golden era? Is that what brought you in? Yeah. Hulk Hogan? Like
1: specific? Yeah, Hulk Hogan okay. for sure. Specifically the he had a cartoon show, like a Saturday morning cartoon called hulk hogan's rock and wrestling and i feel like i knew that before actually watching wrestling right um but i was it was in my mind um but the the thing that really drew me in was i came into school on a monday and all of the kids were talking about how the macho man turned on hulk hogan
0: um the soap opera aspect of it yeah yeah
1: and i knew who hulk hogan was don't think i had any idea who the macho man was Uh but then it's it sounded like the most important thing that ever happened the way it was being described yeah and then the next week i started watching it and i don't think i
0: ever stopped right and you still go to wrestling matches today yeah Um uh, and you go to sort of like semi-underground not well not well known ones or do you go to ones at like madison square garden
1: i've never been to madison square garden okay. for anything um i feel like that's something i need to cross off the list eventually <laughs> are you sure but uh it's i've gone to like the bigger wwe events um it's less appealing to me now like i just prefer being they're just like independent shows like that's what it's called that i go to Mm -hmm. and it's like where you're depending on the size like i've been to shows where there's like no guardrail, and you're literally just like you know three feet from the ring have you ever
0: been to a backyard wrestling match
1: not only have i been to one i used to do it oh no kidding
0: yeah
1: (laughs) uh yeah that's a whole other conversation um but yeah, I just like the smaller thing where it's you're you're close. Mm-hmm. It's less controlled in a way, as it's like the the actual performers have more. Uh, they they like determine what they're doing more. So it's like mm-hmm. their it's their job to really define their character, right? And like less so in WWE, where it's there's a like a team of writers. Yeah, there's who, a script. Yeah. It's this
0: well oiled machine that's orchestrated and it's still great right, like right, and especially
1: right. in the past year and two years it's kind of amazing how things are happening there that like you wouldn't have expected to happen a few years ago right. so it's really exciting right but as far as live events like the the smaller shows i think are just it's a better experience yeah it's probably, have you ever gone have you i have uh,
0: to like a uh, like a small one in new hampshire where i grew up I, and the, the marquee wrestler was sergeant slaughter okay um, and everyone else was like local, whatever the triple A circuit of professional wrestling was at the time. Right. Um, it makes sense to me that you're into wrestling. I mean, it's a created world. It, it's character heavy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's full of fantasy. Um, and I know, I, I, you know, I know you've said that you're careful not to let the, your interest in wrestling show in your work. And I don't think it necessarily does, but I do see a connection between this world that's created.
1: And I don't even know how conscious that is. It's yeah. just it's, it's just kind of worked out that way right. that I haven't directly put... I mean, like, the costuming, I think, for sure, has right. crossed over into decisions I've made. Sure, but, um, and
0: Lucha Libre masks. Yeah, 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 sure.
1: Um, And who knows? Like, that's... I think as I'm allowing for as I'm breaking rules mm-hmm. and like, this is how I remember last time we were talking about like, uh, like in the beginning, it was like, if if I had to draw a tree, like this is the way you draw a tree. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's been evolution to that. But like, just as I've, I I've realized how it's, it's a hindrance, like having all of these rules in place. Sure. So, um, right now. I just want anything to be a possibility. Sure. Anything's on the table and it'll happen when it happens.
0: Well, the stuff that we're interested in, I think inevitably seeps into the work that we're making Definitely, in obvious and not so obvious ways. Um, I know, I mean, you have a, a a line of figures toy toy figures above your, your studio door there. And like, I I see a correspondence between that and the work that you're making your book collection. Um, you know, I mentioned the Proving Textile book, but these books, what's in these books is in your work, too. So to um, so the point that I
1: could like if you bring up something, I could yeah. turn to a page immediately. Yeah. So I, this stuff is important. Without a doubt. So we can
0: we can I think we can consider all of this part. of. And this. I think that's another the thing DNA I'm doing work.
1: is that. Um, I want my life to be in the work Mm -hmm. and i feel like i wasn't doing that for a while Mm -hmm. like the you talk about the like the the characters as like colonizers Mm -hmm. um i think to some degree not in every picture but a few of them but in a bulk of like i feel like in a certain body of it um the i think the way i was thinking about things then was as if the the drawings that i was making it's as if the they were the product of the culture in the work Mm -hmm. like i was you know as if like they were responsible for it and like i just happen to have the work around right um and now it's less that and more about just i'm the one making the decisions so like let me let me draw an object that i love that's in the room right and like now that's part of the work too
0: right Um, I want to talk about art worlds. Uh, You know, I'm I'm a I'm a believer in many art worlds, plural. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the contemporary art world, and then there's all these little sub worlds within that. It's a pretty big galaxy, the art world. There's the um, um, you know indie publishing, zine, comic book art world. There's all these different worlds, and but
1: even within those,
0: there's yeah, then there's sub worlds within that. Yeah, Um, and your work, from where I sit, has always sort of um, been able to, to effectively work in different settings. Uh, I've seen your work in, 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 contemporary art galleries, and it's it, and it's been effective. I've seen it um, printed and published in in many different ways, whether it's a self-produced zine or an art book. Um, I mean, your work is sort of reproduces very well the nature of it. It's very graphic. The color is trapped. It's flat. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost it's almost like made to be reproduced in a way. Um, it's, and I mentioned t-shirts of so fashion and clothing. Um, out of all those worlds that you've participated in, or that your works found its way into, have you found like a comfort zone? Like, Oh, I think I'm most comfortable in this, this world versus that one. Not at all. No, I,
1: I have no idea. Um, that's, definitely something i think about especially um do you feel like it's important to fit into a world um an art world i think i really enjoy that i'm not so pegged down to one Mm -hmm. but i feel like uh i don't know commercially it might make sense or be easier if it was just here's the
0: one output for things right um and maybe a little less like emotionally stressful because we, yeah. we wrestle with these identities, right? Like, right. where do I fit in? I mean, this is a you know a rhetorical question that many artists, including myself, often ask ourselves. Like, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? And um, sometimes I think it's healthy to, to like not know. I think not knowing is okay. And that's how I feel today, at least, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I was just curious sort of how you felt. It's...
1: Um... Things happen super fast. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was conscious of really the difference between those things at the time. Um, That's definitely been with perspective, something I've thought more about. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, you know, I, I, you know, we could use the term uh, um, like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Um, And yeah, you, I remember the, the first time I saw your work, I mean we went to school together so i saw your work when you were a student Uh, i was what four years ahead of you so i graduated and you had another four years of of figuring things out but i think the first time i saw you down in new york after i was living here was at this at this deitch project show group show was you taylor mckimmons jules de balancourt which is the first time i saw jules's work right uh jim drain whose work i knew uh, went to school with him um and misaki it's, and misaki Kauai is like a pretty great group of people and this was like in what 2004 four so um um and there was a lot of energy around deitch then mm-hmm. and that type of work and you did a big installation of like one of your characters throwing lightning bolts and the lightning bolts are coming out of the floor and uh visitors could sort of walk through the lightning bolts. So I remember coming to that show and being kind of like, man, Matt hit it. He, he, he got in early. He's, he's like fresh out of school and, and like, was two years. Yeah. Um, he's already like in a, in a impressive show at Deitch projects and the world, you know, and it sort of snowballed from there. And if we could back up from that, you've mm-hmm. described how you got there was through a mega group show that one of our instructors, right. um, curated you into yes
1: yeah, so jordan isop yep. who uh he taught the class that we were both in mm-hmm. i was a freshman you were a senior mm-hmm. um then i had him again as a junior and like kind of stayed in touch throughout then as uh like the next year like while i was still in school he started curating these like crazy shows sometimes with a theme mm-hmm. sometimes just with like
0: 100 200 people in right, there, right? like mega shows
1: um So I was in a few of those before I even graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the third one maybe was the show called Dime Bag,
0: And that was out in Los Angeles. The first one, right? Yeah. At new image art.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically it was just, uh, you know, a piece of work by, we'll say 200 people that were all like three by three inches, like to fit in a little plastic bag. Yeah. Um, Which is an overwhelming thing to look at. Yeah. The fact that it's...
0: You almost can't see anything in a show like that.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, So I remember, you know, like it was great that I was in this show, but I wasn't expecting anything from it. Mm -hmm. And then graduated, was back home in New Jersey for maybe a week. Mm -hmm. And a check showed up in the mail for, I want to say $35. (laughs) Um, Was that your first sale? one of right right um yeah maybe third or Mm -hmm. something you know like very very early um but the it was the first sale to someone i'd never met okay and uh chris johansson and joe jackson bought the piece i don't know if they actually spent money on it because it was you know so inexpensive it may have been a gift right (laughs) but they out of all of the work on the wall like they know. They responded that, to your work. Yeah. Yeah. So I got this like check and this note basically saying, um, hey, hey Matt, your favorite artist in the world at the time likes your work. Mm-hmm. Um like Chris had just had the uh Whitney biennial installation that mm-hmm. was mind blowing. Oh, Chris
0: work work's amazing. Yeah. He's one of my top five favorite yeah. painters for sure.
1: Um and then asking to see more work. And that led to uh, a two-person show in October it may have been so basically I just spent that first summer after school w- making things and half of that show was like student work mm-hmm. so um, yeah like it's I didn't even have time to think like right. just something happened immediately
0: and and then you had this diet show and right. things sort of snowballed from there so we could we could chalk maybe all, a lot of this up to, um, you know, classic uh, utilizing your community mm-hmm, um, for sure, and timing, and the right person responding to your work at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, with Chris Johansson responding to your work, and how that sort of cascades and opened up all these other doors that led to other opportunities to help give you momentum and traction. Which led to this diet show, correct? Right. Which is, I, you know, t- to circle back to it. When I saw your work the first time in New York, um, and it and it was it continued to grow from there. And I know um, from talking to you, when the the housing bubble crashed in oh seven oh eight, um, some of the infrastructure that was supporting your work sort of evaporated, right? Your gallery that you are showing with Clementine Gallery shut down. Yeah um maybe some of the players that were uh, buying and supporting this works got cold feet and pulled pulled back a little bit Um, i think a lot
1: of smaller spaces yeah like went under um that was a big thing for me is uh that that clementine show was my first new york solo show Mm -hmm. um
0: and then you and then it closed after your opening or your your show right weren't you the last show there
1: uh Gary Panter was the okay. last, le- but it was yeah, like one month. Like there was one show after mine, right? Um. But yeah, so in that whole group shows really sustained a lot of what right. I was doing, and then a lot of those places right. like closed too, right? Um. Yeah, things really changed after that, right?
0: So I guess, I guess, you know, to re- refer back to the roller coaster metaphor, you know, careers in art. Or anything really, or you're often non-linear. They're crooked or the roller coaster, right? There's ups and downs. Right. Um, but when you had your first downswing after that housing bubble crash, where some of some of the um, stuff that was helping support your work sort of disappeared or evaporated, you were you were pretty young. That all happened when you were like in your twenty-eight, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess my question, like as a as a young guy how did you and and like things like that make us feel crazy you're like i don't know what's going on i had all this love and attention and now it's gone and i'm confused and i don't i'm not quite sure how to make sense of it um when you're going through that was was there any i mean how did you handle it i guess that's all i'm trying to ask is like how did you weather that storm
1: i think to some degree i still am okay. um it's You take for granted that this is how things work, Uh, like, up till that point. Mm -hmm. It was, like, the... I I got spoiled. Like, I didn't know that, like... I think one of the strange things was not... Knowing that I was, like, moving at a much faster pace than my peers Uh and my friends. Uh Um, Like, not... Just the people I trust to talk to, like, couldn't really... We weren't having the same experience so like that's odd in itself right um and then you're told information by the people guiding you that's not doesn't necessarily turn out to be true Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's it was a weird situation that i still don't can't totally make sense of right um and it led to depression that i think was there probably a lot longer than I realized, right. but there was enough super positive stuff happening that it's, I kept it balanced out a lot better.
0: Right.
1: Um. But that's something very recently that I'm actually admitting and right. uh, working on. Yeah. And it's been super freeing because right. the, knowing this now and just feeling Uh, the hardest thing was to not really have stuff going on and then you know you go out and you're hit with that dreaded hey so what are you working on question right and it's like I feel like that's a tricky enough question to answer sometimes and then especially when you're not really feeling good about yourself it's like you just kind of avoid putting yourself in situations You got to throw have it back though. I'm working it. on myself,
0: fuck you. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, but it's yeah.
1: it takes it takes time to get to that. Point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that's well said. And I feel like that's where I am now and things are going pretty awesome right yeah, now.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, from where I sit, you're you're still making incredible work and you're still at it. I mean, I think the best thing an artist can do is continue to work and you're still working mm-hmm. and you you've always been prolific. There's so much work going on. And the other that's thing that's good to hear, because yeah. I
1: feel like uh, I feel like in recent years, I've never finished a thought. It's like I feel like I've been trying a lot of things and it's maybe I move on too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that's like. Uh, it's a weird thing when you start to equate art sales to quality. Right. And
0: or showing the work with quality right yeah and it's meaning having gallery shows and
1: it's something yeah. i i did because right. it's it's it just became such like that's how people you know like my work was it was easy for me to show yeah um a lot more you know like it's crazy that it worked that way yeah but then for that to change it's like you don't know anything mm-hmm. like you don't like as a 25, six year old, like, I don't, I, even now, like, I don't understand how the economy really works. Right. So, to, you're not, you know, you're, what's, you're thinking about it like, what's wrong with me? Right. And that's such a terrible mindset. You take on to unnecessary be.
0: responsibility. You think it might be your fault or something. Yeah. Like that. You totally, yeah. I, I totally, yeah. Did. That's, that's not fair. I don't think at all, which is tough to realize and, and embrace. But um, the other thing I think is impressive about what you're doing now is that you, are doing a lot of self-directed projects. You're publishing your own books and zines. Um, you're producing your own shirts, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and still working. With I mean, companies you're keeping also. busy, and I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of the self-produced project. So, and I mean, I've talked to a bunch of different artists for these at this point, and I think it's universal that that there's a love for the self-produced project. So, I think that's also a great place to be right now. Um, and
1: that's always been part of it. Yeah, like
0: that's the DIY thing.
1: Yeah, like that's how I came up, so mm-hmm. it it just made sense to continue doing that.
0: Sure. So all that said, um if you could get in a time machine, uh like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and go give advice to your younger self, mm-hmm. what would you say?
1: Chill out. Um <laughs> That it's not a race, necessarily. Um,
0: Did you feel like it was at that time?
1: I feel like when things slowed down, I was trying desperately to get them
0: back. To keep up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And kind of be like now feeling free of that, it's um, now I'm only concerned with controlling the things that are within my control. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's outside elements and let those things be what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like it's, 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 if it takes a while, like, so be it, Yeah, but it's just, you gotta focus on the work and focus on yourself. And that's, that's, you know, it's,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. And I I like that if you can, if you can frame it as it not being a race, I think that's a healthy, healthy attitude and philosophy Mm -hmm. to have. Um if you were to go to a music show with another artist living or dead, it could be anyone in anyone that you um could think of. And I hate to put you on the spot like this, but I I guess the two questions I have are what show would you want to see and who would the artists that you'd take to it?
1: Mm. I think I'd want to see like the Ramones at like CBGB's or something. In,
0: in the, the original heyday? Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I just want everyone to be there. Yeah. That just seems <laughs> like the, the, that would be the greatest thing. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing that we talked about uh, when I was here last is this word style. And right. how And how um, some people consider it like a dirty word or they just don't like using it. Uh, to describe artwork they use other words like artistic voice or um signature touch like things that are essentially the same thing but
1: sound as if they're purposely avoiding the word style. yeah
0: yeah yeah and i think it has to do with you know pretensions in the art world um or the contemporary art world or sometimes i think the word style is more connected to um I don't know. I like. I have no problem with the word, but I think of I think of fashion with the word style. I think of surfing and skateboarding with the word style. Like the way the body moves is sort of like, oh, that guy's got nice style. The way he's, you know, surfing or something like that. But what do you think it is? Why do you have a a point of view on why people don't like using that word style?
1: We both came from an illustration background. Yeah. Um I feel like that's when the word. as a student especially in that world um i feel like you're chasing a style
0: yeah well you're sort of instructed to chase one but
1: you're also being told not to yeah i guess it depends on who what what like professor you have at the time yeah but it's i think it's a terrible thing for a young student to be concerned about um i feel like it's you just need to try everything Mm -hmm. and then something will inevitably happen or just
0: move naturally through the act of making yeah and i feel like and you'll arrive somewhere right yeah
1: but i feel like it's such a important it's maybe you don't feel like a complete artist at that point until you have one Mm -hmm. that it's you're you're trying to you know force pegs into the wrong holes. right 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 um it's i don't think you can escape the word it's It's everyone has one right. to some degree, right?
0: Um, yeah, I'm I I don't was know. just curious. I have no it,
1: problem with it.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't either. I, you know, um, you know, my work has certainly sort of unraveled over time. And I remember as a student having some way to separate yourself from everyone else was important, right? Both for like talking points or like standout points, but also for trying to get work in the um um, um applied arts marketplace right i was I, you know getting editorial illustration gigs yeah. or something like what separates you from the next guy so i think that's where part of it came, came, came where it came in for me mm-hmm. um now I'm, I'm unconcerned i think um I'm, I'm not caught up in that ego i think stuff. it just
1: comes with maturity too yeah it's yeah it's you you're confident in what you do so right. it's you don't think about that sort of thing
0: anymore right um, so we're in your studio here and the way you have it set up makes sense to me with the way you make work you have different stations almost yeah um, and it seems like you have a system like you have this light board or light table area for transferring a drawing you have over there looks like like the gessoing area. Behind me is this wall of books um, is this typical how you set it up and you are you sort of like and you work sitting down, correct? you're not standing up at an easel or anything like that, yeah, right, so yeah, this is mostly in your wrist the way you work without a doubt without <laughs> without a doubt, yeah, um,
1: I can't do the same thing uh vertically, yeah, like it just can't i need to I need to be able to like turn the page, yeah and like get at things from the the correct angle mm-hmm. and it's yeah. Which makes making big things right. a challenge.
0: So you sort of bounce from station to station depending on what stage you are in the work.
1: And certain stations right. get torn down. It's a production if I'm not, line. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, can you describe your ideal day in here or week in here?
1: Um.
0: Maybe it's I listen to these three records and this person stops by or I accomplish this much or I don't even know or maybe it's a day you don't even work in here maybe you're just reading all your books or something like that and like take absorbing information that way
1: i feel like a day when something gets finished is a good day yeah that's not every day
0: you get it you feel a sense of peace
1: yeah yeah um with these newer black and white things like that's the the sense of accomplishment i guess comes quicker um which i think is good because i'm balancing that those out with a much different project that mm-hmm. i don't see a final realization happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to say. It's, uh,
0: it's a tough question. What's, an but I feel like it varies. It. Yeah.
1: It's, I don't think there is a, uh, like a normal day in here. Okay. It's, um, I could get really excited about starting something new. Um, I could get really excited about like an accidental idea that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like that right now. It's the I feel like there was a regimented system for a long time that took a lot of the fun out of things. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, all the rules that you
0: spoke, you've been speaking yeah, of. Yeah. That's What let's talk about those rules real quick. Okay. Uh you mentioned the tree like I when I make a tree, this is how I make a tree and right. it doesn't stray maybe it changes in size but the shape and the pattern on it is this
1: yeah one might have three branches one might have five. right
0: so what are what are some other rules um that you that you've that you've had that you're trying to break
1: i think especially with the early stuff um, there were x number of ways to make shapes mm-hmm. so then it was a matter of what can I use those shapes to describe Mm -hmm. Um, which meant
0: uh, do you mean like a triangle could be a nose form or um, I'm just looking at the things behind you
1: it's I can't think of a specific example but like I might be talking to you about art and then you would say oh have you ever considered drawing this Mm -hmm. and if that was a if what you're telling me to draw like suggesting to draw is something that I can't in my head um visualize using those basic rules and Mm -hmm. shapes then it would be like i'd love to draw that but i can't
0: okay um and so if you can't see it in your head you don't draw it
1: if i can't if back like if i couldn't figure out a way to make like i'm talking about like the like block structures i was doing oh yeah yeah yeah. like a lot of stuff relied on like the like certain angles yeah a perspective yeah and if like Like a three-point perspective and
0: forced if, forced three-point perspective right it wasn't actually going to have vanishing no no point. no yeah <laughs> yeah
1: um so if it didn't work within that structure then it like wasn't really a possibility at the time um another thing is is like the i think we talked about it last time like the the hair pattern mm-hmm. um it was weird to the expectation of that in the work was something i struggled with early on too where it's like is it i know in other podcasts you've talked about the difference between the work existing in your studio and out mm-hmm. and as a young artist that was definitely something i spent a considerable bad amount of time thinking about mm-hmm. is what people are expecting right and if
0: If you change it up and 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 don't meet that viewer's expectations, yeah, perhaps you're doing something wrong. Right, right.
1: Um, and like, so it it took a while to get to a point to be comfortable, um, like releasing work that like didn't have all of those patterns in it. Right. Um,
0: we could connect some of these issues to this this word style that we're talking about. Like, I think, how do you and, break out of? what is the attributed signature style
1: i think that and just like obsessive compulsive Mm -hmm. tendencies
0: yeah um since we're talking about these patterns yeah and um how much time they take you to make and realize um you know when you came and spoke to my students and we were showing some of your slides i think one of the first questions one of the kids asked, was, well, how long did it take you to make that? Which I'm sure you've gotten before. Yeah. And you know, that's a fair question and and it's a common one. And I'm not concerned with how long it actually took you to make these. I'm more interested in what you were thinking about while you were making this. What did you, what did your brain do with this time? And I know you've spoken about sort of going into a meditative state with doing these patterns Mm -hmm. um, where maybe you're not even thinking about anything and you maybe you spend eight straight hours making this pattern it probably felt like 20 minutes or something like that um but there's a commitment to your work and a dedication um to the craft of it to the to to making these into like being very specific and intricate with these patterns i'm curious what you're thinking about
1: it really depends on the moment like there's definitely if for instance i was working on something before you got here mm-hmm. and in my mind, it was like, I think I was just thinking about like, how much more time do I have before Joe shows up? <laughs> um, so that's a real possibility. Sure. Um, if I know that I'm in here all day and I have a, you know, like a vast area that just needs to be filled with mm-hmm. something, it's just the gamut. Yep. Um, I'll, you know, I'll be thinking about what I'm doing um i'll listen to like podcasts most of the time while Mm -hmm. i'm working so Mm -hmm. it's like i'm in and out of that Mm -hmm. it's just like your mind's wandering wandering right sure
0: i'm always curious if if artists are actually thinking about their thing they're working on or if their mind is somewhere else
1: one thing i do is i tend to think about it in sections that constantly change Mm -hmm. where it's like uh like if i know it's close to lunchtime or something i'll be like okay let me once I finish this unspecified area, mm-hmm. like, then I'll take a break.
0: An incentive program.
1: But it never pans <laughs> out, because while I'm doing that, I'll, like, change it. And right. then I'll, like, it's all arbitrary, and there's never... It's another rule, right. where I'm like, this is... When I get to that point, I'll stop. Right. And then I don't... I, you know, I start right. working somewhere else. Right. And then it's it's always trying to... Especially with, like, the the new like squiggly line hair thing wood pattern that i like whatever that's called mm-hmm. um i'm always making s- imaginary segments of it in my mind where it's like this is the part i'll finish now yeah and it's never ends up being that
0: right right yeah and the other thing that you um spoke of, or spoken about uh, related to these patterns that you do in the Whether it's the texture and like hair or um, foliage or something or or the stripes on a tiger is, it was a a problem-solving device because you never felt comfortable blending paint, correct or something like that. Yeah, Um, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: I think every technique I've developed has been some sort of problem-solving device Mm
0: -hmm. Um, related to some some. Uh, technical thing that you couldn't figure out to, to do the way you wanted it to work. Yeah. It's
1: um, like, like as still as a student, it would be like, um, you know, like I'm not going to make this look like a beautifully rendered skin. So instead of making it look crappy or just having it be completely flat Mm -hmm. Um, It was, all right, well, let me just figure out some pattern to put in there. Mm -hmm. So the pattern started off, they started off super uh, raw and like not uh, consistent. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, things really tightened up. Um, But the very first part, like the the reason to start it in the first place was as an interesting way to like just fill space without mm-hmm. it being just a solid giant flat
0: color right right like that half tone yeah almost it almost functions like a half tone. right it and not knowing to how to
1: use half tone yeah so it was like well let me fake it
0: yeah that makes sense to me um and i can see it for sure um and the work that you're making now um and maybe it's connected to these rules that you're trying to break it does feel i see your touch in there like i feel like i even if you're making something blindfolded with your left hand i feel like i could still see your touch um these feel like a departure there's there's they're black and white they're still very flat and they're, And
1: i've really only been doing this for like two weeks yeah so well,
0: i've been here the past two weeks yeah. at least or, or, or i've been here in the past week So, and I think I've seen one of these on one of your social media feeds, Um, but I was like, "Whoa, Matt is, is, is simplifying in a way. And does that feel relaxing to you to simplify that much or liberating in any capacity? Yeah. Um, Are you excited about this, this version of your work?
1: I am because it's, I think it's going to be a way to allow me to increase scale without necessarily Blowing everything up, like I'll still be able to keep doing, you know.
0: When you say scale, make me mean making bigger making larger work? work. You want to make that's a goal to make larger work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your stuff doesn't get. I mean, I've seen your installations get big, but maybe that painting over there—that's sort of like a geometric work in progress—is what maybe that's... maybe four feet by four feet or something like that. Yeah, that's a piece of garbage. Oh. Don't <laughs> look at that. But I've seen you do like. There's a handful of just things. shapes on on a plane but then i've sort also
1: of... done a few like life-size drawings okay um
0: so you're not a stranger to working big but most of your stuff i want to say floats in this sort of you know 18 by 24 zone 30 by
1: 40 is a large work for okay. me okay um yeah i'd say 18 by it depends on the year mm-hmm. um 18 by 24 is a large-ish piece but then there used to be a time of, like when uh like 11 by 17 was big right. so it's it depends on what the work is right. um
0: i remember making work i would not make it um larger than a, a tablet scanner yeah exactly <laughs> back when i was a student right um, and i think it came from
1: that yeah for sure um,
0: um that makes sense but yeah good sorry going back to the yeah the i'm downward.
1: i'm i feel like i have a good graphic tendency that um it's just being slowed down by color choices by a lot of things mm-hmm. so um this it's just kind of grew out of just doing black and white drawings um and just a way to i don't know i don't know where it's going yet yeah. but it's i'm, feeling I'm excited about, about it. it yeah
0: i mean I'm a, I'm a sucker for stark black and white high contrast how are stuff. you yeah so <laughs> uh i gravitate to i have a bias towards those sorts of things um yeah, I'm curious. I want to see one big. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, what are you excited about non-art wise these days? I mean, you show me the Peruvian textile, but but we could connect that to art. Yeah. I'm curious what you're inter- interested in. I and mean, we talked about wrestling already, but what, what other interests do you have going on? What's, what's in your, what's in your, um, in your world of, of inspiration or, you know, non-art related areas that you're interested in?
1: Um, I've always liked comedy. Um, I go to check out comedy sometimes. Did you hear
0: about this show that was at um, yeah. uh, the Comedy Cellar this past week? Yeah. That sounds pretty amazing. Though, just for listeners that might not know it, you know, it was like one of these comedy venues in the city. Have you been there before? I have. And yeah. it was just like a Wednesday. It was Wednesday night. And who were the people that just showed uh, up randomly unannounced?
1: Dave Attell, Dave Chappelle, Amy Schumer. Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld was there too. Yeah. Uh who else was there aziz yeah i've seen aziz there like by just showing up oh that's cool yeah um that's the yeah the comedy seller is like the greatest is that place where you go to check out comedy for the most part yeah. like on a week night mm-hmm. um
0: have you ever been heckled
1: me yeah no uh, like, what, i mean like,
0: like a comedian like picking... crowd work sorry yeah i get, get picked on by the uh, what's that called is that crowd work yeah crowd oh, okay. Work. okay
1: um one time judah friedlander called me professor because i was wearing a like a collared shirt and a sweater <laughs> <laughs> okay um i think it's happened before yeah i think they've i think they know who's out of town yeah yeah they've got a good eye for it yeah
0: they can sort of smell a mark yeah um do you have a favorite comedian
1: um, I'm sure it goes in waves. Like it goes into in it waves. Right now. Uh, do you know Gary Goldman? No. You should look him up on YouTube. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he tells these like meandering stories that are just like, the the little details he throws in are just hilarious. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think comedians are great. They're some of the smartest people out there. Yeah. We need them right now too. Definitely. Holy moly. Um.
1: There's like. we need unafraid voices, Mm -hmm. even if they're going to say stuff that's not popular. Right.
0: That's, that's sort of the fashion right now to say unpopular things though. It seems like from our leadership or elected. there's a, there's a difference. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what about, uh, um, goals or, or dream projects that you'd want to work on? Um, whether they're in the works or you know like just something you want to scratch off that bucket list you mentioned right
1: um you know i don't know if i think about that right now yeah um i just finished a set a series of skateboards for toy machine that i'm like thrilled about Mm -hmm. um like that's if you told teenage me that like that would be something you'd get to do like that would be like the most gigantic yeah news. So, that's great
0: when did they come out
1: I don't know I just like submitted them oh, okay. so maybe th- th- this year at some point did they
0: yeah. uh come to you I know you have a relationship with Ed Templeton a little bit yeah um, you guys know each other through art stuff did he approach him like Matt why don't you do some the this or? offer's
1: been on the table for a while oh, okay. and it just uh I feel like I wouldn't have done it like back when the like it was originally asked in my mind I would have needed to make you know like full size drawings it just it wouldn't have been fe- it wasn't feasible at the time to do things the way I was thinking about stuff so mm-hmm. um this time around it was uh very you know photoshop friendly which uh helped get it together a lot right. quicker right, but right, i'm right. I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out great i'm psyched to see those yeah
0: and i know you showed me uh when i was here last you had all these little uh, collage pieces that you're working on and you talked about sort of this uh, almost like a new world that you're growing right um is that something that you're also working on just to see where that where this little universe goes? that's
1: the other thing balanced off with the black and white stuff oh, okay. and a. um Like a lot of those collage pieces like parts of those became uh you know like parts like for the skateboards Mm -hmm. um some of the heads for the larger black and white things are like from like they're informing each other Mm -hmm. um i think the biggest thing i'm happy about with that is that i'm not i've done collage in the past i used to do a collage a whole ton in college Mm -hmm. and just kind of fell out of it because i was Just trying to get things too perfect yeah. Um, and hide my seams. And with this, it's like, fuck it. Like, the seams are part of it now. Mm -hmm. And that's also really freeing.
0: Cool. And it
1: allows me to change my mind. Right. So it's like I make a body, and I might not know what the head's supposed to be yet, but like I, instead of uh, needing to plan out the entire thing, it's... If something comes to mind, I just do it, and then it gets put together later, which is a luxury at this point.
0: Right, right, right. Well, it's been great to talk about this stuff and see the work and hear a little bit about the process, and I'm excited for these black and white things. I want to see more of those. Me Um, too. And I'm also curious to see what sorts of rules you start breaking even more and more.
1: Or what rules I start making. Hopefully (laughs) not. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. This has been great. Thank you.
0: And we've made it to the end. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also find the series and subscribe in iTunes. Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.